You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Zero Logon is being actively exploited in the wild. The old gremlin ransomware gang picks on Russian targets. Thought Fancy Bear was done with NATO? Think again. The U.S. Treasury Department sanctions more organizations and individuals for malign influence operations. Betsy Carmelite from BAH on vaccine laboratory cybersecurity. Our guest is Shenna Tarnish from Comcast Business with insights for small businesses concerned with COVID-19-related phishing. And four of the defendants indicted in the eBay cyber-stalking case have chosen their pleas. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 24th, 2020. Zero logon exploitation is no longer merely a theoretical possibility. Microsoft has seen the Windows Server vulnerability being actively attacked in the wild. ZDNet reminds all that Samba file-sharing software is also susceptible to this bug and must be updated as well. Computing has an update on the patches available for Zero Logon. That the Zero Logon vulnerability is a serious risk isn't in dispute. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency took the unusual step last week of issuing the federal agencies it oversees a binding operational directive, telling them to get their skates on and patch by midnight Monday. Those agencies were given a deadline of last midnight to get back to CISA and let them know that the proper patches had been applied. Group IB says a new ransomware group they're calling Old Gremlin is currently active against Russian banks and corporations. Old Gremlin is phishing with emails that represent themselves as coming from a variety of legitimate third parties whom the email recipients might be predisposed to trust. RBC, Ross Business Consulting, a large Russian media holding company, the self-regulatory financial organization SRO Mir, an unnamed Russian metallurgical holding company, an unnamed dental clinic, and crossing the Belarusian border to another country in the near abroad, the Minsk tractor work. 
As Group IB, Singapore-based but with Russian roots, Old Gremlin's target list is surprising. Group IB's report says, quote, It is common knowledge that Russian hackers have an unspoken rule about not working within Russia and post-Soviet countries. Yet, Old Gremlin, made up of Russian speakers, is actively attacking Russian companies, banks, industrial enterprises, medical organizations, software developers. According to Group IB expert estimations, since the spring, Old Gremlin has conducted at least seven phishing campaigns. End quote. This seems to be sailing pretty close to the unforgiving wind, or to mix the metaphor, a little bit like tugging on Superman's cape, and it will be interesting to see how long they continue to get away with it. They've been at it since March, and the Kremlin is probably not too pleased with Old Gremlin. Unless there are wheels within wheels here, Old Gremlin is going to draw the attention of the organs in an unpleasant way. As Bleeping Computer summarizes, the gang is using tiny posh and tiny node backdoors, tiny crypt ransomware, and various third-party tools for reconnaissance and lateral movement. So far, Old Gremlin has been active in Russia only, but there are signs it may be working toward much wider attacks elsewhere. A ransomware attack has hit Tyler Technologies, a large IT service provider to U.S. state and local government agencies. The company has disclosed that it's working to restore its systems and that while some data were exposed, as is now normal in ransomware attacks, it's not believed that any customer's software was affected. Reuters notes that Tyler's services are used by states and counties for both emergency response coordination and for sharing election information. Security Week describes Quo Intelligence's research into a new Zebrosi cyber espionage campaign directed against NATO. Zebrosi is by consensus held to be a Russian operation. While its exact organizational niche isn't entirely clear, most observers think it's associated with Moscow's GRU, that is, Fancy Bear. The group's eponymous malware, Zebrosi Delphi, used NATO exercises as its fishbait. The operation's command and control infrastructure is located in France, and Quo Intelligence has let the French authorities know where to look for it. The U.S. Treasury Department yesterday sanctioned more Russian individuals and organizations for their involvement in malign influence operations, the Hill reports. Most of them are tied to the previously sanctioned Yevgeny Prigozhin, known as Putin's chef because of the way in which the entrees he once catered served as his entree to the Russian oligarchy. Mr. Prigozhin is best known for having been one of the organizers and funders of the Internet Research Agency, the St. Petersburg troll farm that gained notoriety during the last U.S. election cycle. He also pioneered a more sophisticated form of trolling, outsourcing and offshoring much of the work to a lot of contractors in the Central African Republic. And finally, there are developments in the very strange case we first discussed back in June, where eBay employees, now former eBay employees, were charged with various forms of illegal harassment of a mom-and-pop newsletter that had published notes not always to the liking of eBay's then-leadership. Of the seven defendants charged, four have decided to plead guilty to cyber-stalking the couple who ran the e-commerce bytes newsletter. Stephanie Pop, Stephanie Stockwell, Brian Gilbert, and Veronica Zaya yesterday filed their intention to enter guilty pleas 
to federal charges on October 8th. All are former members of eBay's security and global intelligence teams. The other three defendants are presumably still weighing their options. The response to the newsletter, beyond being illegal and morally loathsome, seems quite out of proportion to anything the couple who published the newsletter wrote. They weren't particularly inveterate critics of eBay, nor did they seem to write anything particularly scurrilous or defamatory. Such complaints as the ones they put out were of the anodyne sort any business inevitably attracts. And what was the response of eBay's security and global intelligence team? Anonymous email and Twitter threats, deliveries of live cockroaches and a bloody Halloween pig mask, clandestine surveillance, and shipping adult material to the victim's neighbors in the victim's names. How in the world all of this could have seemed to be a good idea at the time is difficult to fathom. The incident will at some point provide, we imagine, interesting lessons about organizational culture and the dangers of groupthink. Ongoing, cascading, impulsive bad judgment isn't just for teenagers. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Shenna Tarnish is Vice President of Cybersecurity Product Management at Comcast Business. She joins us with valuable insights for small businesses concerned with COVID-19-related phishing. Hackers are using tried-and-true approaches like phishing and malware and denial-of-service attacks to exploit businesses, especially amid COVID. Um, And we're seeing a much higher rate of that. So, you know, phishing and ransomware will remain the biggest threats to businesses of all sizes. And you want to make sure that you're really cautious of those campaigns that are going on. You know, we saw a 150% rise in the number of new domains related to COVID since March. And they use keywords like corona or drug or vaccine and test kits And, you know, we've blocked queries of these newly registered domains nearly 13 times. So as much as we talk about phishing and ransomware and train our employees, it's still a place where cyber criminals are multiplying the number of messages and ways to influence consumers. And, you know, from a DDoS perspective, attack traffic 
has significantly increased and more businesses are being targeted by cyber criminals. As a result, during these attacks, businesses aren't able to serve their customers online or transact with supply chain partners or maybe even interact with their employees, which all causes disruption and loss for the business. So, you know, it's it's really important that as more COVID scamming opportunities arise, you know, even like this, the stimulus relief came out, it caused more phishing offers related to, you know, assisting with payment receipts. So as the pandemic prolongs, businesses should be really sensitive to these phishing and malware campaigns that could surface. Are there any areas when it, when it comes to cybersecurity, are there any areas that you feel aren't getting the attention that they deserve? I guess I would say education. I think uh, that is really key to the, the whole program of cybersecurity. While technology is, is very important, training our employees and businesses on these types of threats is important. Uh, but, you know, to err is human. So technology is, is important as well, especially that which has automatic updates. And um, you're not having to rely on on people to configure or load. So getting services by reputable um, companies that can automatically, you know, include the latest domains that are malicious and automatically protect the business are really important. That's Shenna Tarnish from Comcast Business. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Betsy Carmelite. She is a senior associate at Booz Allen Hamilton. Betsy, it's always great to have you back. Um, I wanted to touch today on some of the work that you and your colleagues are doing when it comes to cybersecurity in the lab. We've been hearing a lot about um, vaccine research, those sorts of things. What are some of the things that you all are tracking? Sure. Um, we're, we're very much tracking how to keep labs secure with such a rapid increase in, in data generation which ultimately introduces vulnerabilities. Um, we're definitely seeing the increase in data, certainly PII, PHI, uh, financial data, but also the, the increased concern for network lab equipment, um, such as, for example, petabytes of genomic data and securing all of the advanced technology that now exists in, in labs. What about the, the velocity that, that labs find themselves running at today? I'm thinking about all those labs who are trying to keep up with 
you know, the, the demand for things like COVID testing, does that mean that it's easy for some security things to slip through the cracks? Sure. And I, and I think some of, some of that um, kind of lends to the research culture. And in, in recent weeks, we've seen this with some high-profile attempts to steal vaccine data and helping researchers understand the risk of what is an inherent part of their, their roles and jobs, which is data sharing, um, being collaborative, how much we collaborate, how we collaborate securely. And so given the nature of their jobs, especially in the current COVID-19 environment and the circumstance like a pandemic where we want to be working together, um, we really need to be balancing you know, how much we collaborate and the security um, around that collaboration. Um, we're looking at information transfer and then the possibility of, of compromise of the integrity or confidentiality of, of that research information. Well, share, share with us some insights of what are some of the specific concerns that you have? What are some of the things that you all are tracking here? Sure. So in recent weeks, we've seen um, some of the reported high-profile attempts to steal COVID-19 vaccine data. Um, we've seen the Department of Justice accusations um, alleging Chinese intelligence services that are targeting that COVID vaccine research. Um, we've also seen similar accusations um, directed toward Russia that may have been targeting um, universities, organizations, healthcare providers as well. Um, so uh, we're seeing some highly sophisticated threat actors that, that are obviously cause for concern um, in, a, in a heightened crisis situation. Is there a, a cultural element here as well? Or are the, the folks who are working on these hard problems, the scientists, um, do they generally need to be brought up to speed on the, the cybersecurity elements to keep their their research safe? Yeah, and I and I, it's definitely a an increased awareness that may not have come naturally to to their jobs as they're performing their scientific research. The awareness of how much we collaborate, how we do it securely, do we increase the levels of security to protect the intellectual property? Um, but then we do, do we do that at a risk of decrease to information sharing and promoting that informa information sharing. So that's a, it's a really hard problem steeped in technology, but to your point also in the culture of, of performing scientific research. So for the folks who are in this line of work, what sort of recommendations do you have for them? Sure. I would say that um, it really boils down to some basic cyber hygiene to keep these labs safe and also to keep the research data safe and the lab teams as well. Um, first, we would say examine the business processes um, in place prior to adoption of any technology, whether it's a collaboration tool um, or any changes to the network environment. For example, isolation of that internal research from, from the other parts of the network would be critical. Um, so if, looking at segregated networks to reduce that chance of attack. And secondly, really knowing your use cases for workflows and processes and choosing your tools and technology. How are you actually going to use that, that tool um, to perform your work? And do you really know all the use cases that could you know, be used properly or lead to misuse? Um, and then when you're choosing that technology, look at the possibility for flexibility 
to change the functionality when you're moving from your current use um, to a possible to be future state of how you're going to be using that technology. Hmm. All right. Well, interesting stuff. Uh, Betsy Carmelite, thanks for joining us. Thank you. that's the cyberwire for links to all of today's stories check out our daily briefing at the cyberwire.com and for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field sign up for cyberwire pro it'll save you time keep you informed and it's so good cats ask for it by name listen for us on your alexa smart speaker too the Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com cyberwire.